Hello there. We're trying to keep Coral Chihuahua going, and so we draw your attention to the possibility of listening to us on Patreon for just a few quid a month. This also magically gets rid of the ads. That's Patreon with an E, patreon.com forward slash Coral Chihuahua. On with the app. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So checking balance, checking balance. Eamon's microphone, Eamon's microphone. Checking balance. Robert's microphone, Robert's microphone. Checking. 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 Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, fine. Okay. Just checking the balance, yeah. Yep, here we go. Hello, welcome to Coral Chihuahua. <laughs> Unexpected cadence in bagging area. Bit of unnecessary Gisualdo, unnecessary stress to start the episode. Um, but actually, as we get into the summer, we thought we'd start with music for a lazy day. This is Poulenc from his Banalité. My room, my room, is shaped like a cage. The sun slips its arm through the window. But I, who want a smoke to make mirage, I light my cigarette with the day's fire. I don't want to work. I want to smoke. That's a beautifully lazy way to start the day, isn't it? I'm not sure that would make me want to get out of bed, though. Who was that singing? Uh, that's Nicholas Mulroy, Nicholas Handel Smith, Matt Long, uh, Greg Skidmore, the voice of our jingles, uh, and me on that um, on the Amuse Bouche disc. Oh, yes, the one with Brigitte Bardot's lips on the front cover. That's right, but not her eyes, I think. Yeah, Amuse Bouche. 
Uh, today's episode is called Disgusting Rucksack. Yeah, welcome to Disgusting Rucksack. Sort of in honour of Rob Cowan, who for ages had a BBC Radio 3 programme in which he turned up, you remember he used to turn up, in my rucksack today I've got, and he'd have a whole pile of CDs uh, to play bits from. And that's essentially what we're going to do today. We've, we've brought along some bits we like. Um, our disgusting version is inspired by an ensalada. That's a musical salad, ensalada, from the 1530s. 1530s Spain, specifically uh, Valencia, where these used to be Christmas entertainments. Weren't published until so 50, 60 years later. Um, and they're for four singers. Uh, and they're, uh, they're called salads because they're a salad of time signatures. They're constantly changing. Um, also languages. Uh, they mix Castilian, bits of Latin, other things. And this one, or at least the one that has the disgusting rucksack in it, is this ringing any bells? It's called the joust, la yes. justa. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I didn't do it very many times, but yes, it's quite violent, isn't it? Yeah, I think we only did it once, actually. It was one of those crazy pieces that you'd think you'd prepare for loads of performances. I think we did it once. Um, uh, here's a bit of the text. Lucifer is crestfallen. After him, he's carrying a rucksack. It's empty. How disgusting. <laughs> Let's... Let's tear him to bits and pieces, pull out his spinal cord, break his forehead with a mallet, and worms in his hands. And to you, Christian people, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. <laughs> right, here's a little bit of us singing uh, some of that in 2011 at the National Centre for Early Music. <laughs> There you go, a bit of La Justa, the joust from the 1530s. Uh, for those who like their Clément Janequin pieces like the battle, uh, the, the stag hunt, la chasse, that sort of thing. It's from exactly the same period. He even nicked some of Janequin's music. That's the effect of music printing in the 1530s, cheap music printing. Music got everywhere. Uh, we're in Camden this morning. That's central London, a little bit north. Uh, we're recording this in Gloucester Crescent, the very street that uh, Alan Bennett and Maggie Smith filmed The Lady in the Van. It's an early start for both of us, so if we're a bit low energy, you'll understand. We've both got rehearsals to go to, so we're slipping this in before going our separate ways. What's yours, Eamon? I'm rehearsing Aces and Galatea uh, to be performed at the Rydale Festival. Uh, three performances uh, in three different churches around the Rydale area with uh, a wonderful young team. It's, it's kind of like an emerging artist project, so I've got the principles are... Uh, two singers uh, from the Royal Academy of Music, Caroline Blair and Harry Ross, um, Edward Jowell, who's just uh, finished at the Royal College of Music, who I know you've worked with recently. Yes, he came and sang in our Vojak Starbat Marta, but I was also working him with him in Moscow two weeks before it all kicked off. Uh, goodness, what a lovely voice, top to bottom, that is. Yeah, great man. And uh, Matt McKinney is singing Damon, who's uh, a graduate of Genesis 16. So nice to bring all these people together. Uh, and what's coming first out of your disgusting rucksack? Well, I don't know if you have the same feeling, but if I don't hear or get to sing Bach uh, often enough, uh, I almost get a sort of physical yearning to do so. And I haven't done much Bach recently. So I thought we'd start with uh, a movement from one of the Lutheran masses. Mm. Uh, this is BWV 235, the mass uh, in G minor. Um, this is one of the masses where he parodies some of his own work uh, in the Kyrie, it's a parody of uh, Cantata 102. But we're actually going to hear uh, a bit of the Gloria, which uh, is an entirely new composition. Thank you. 
It's that immediate visceral energy, isn't there? The sort of thrilling trajectory of those vocal lines. It's great stuff. But especially the way the way those particular singers that that's that's Grace Davison and Julia Doyle, isn't it? Absolutely unmistakable. Yeah, absolutely right. And then Robin Blaze and uh, William Purefoy, the Counter Tenors, Mark DeBell and Jeremy Budd, and Ben Davis and myself, uh, with Harry Christopher's conducting the sixteen there. The eight. Or the eight, yes, indeed. Members of the sixteen. That, that's a particular thing, isn't it? Two to a part singing. Think of a group like the the Talis Scholars. There's absolutely nowhere for them to hide in that, though. Their vowel blend, their tuning has to be absolutely there. Slightly different in Bach because the instrumental involvement, you've got the double reeds of the oboe playing along as well. But gosh, that mix of Grace and Jules, two people who know each other so, so well. People casting their mind back to earlier episodes of Call Chihuahua. That was the same Julie that I got confused and called Julia Donk. Yes, because donk, she, donk she, the honk. Donk the honk because she does make a honk noise if you poke her. <laughs> oh, now we're going to have to explain that again. Never mind, uh, just, just Don't worry about it. on Don't worry about it. Just, yeah, listen, some, listen to the other episodes. There's something about the way she articulates semi-quavers. I mean, you could hear absolutely everything. Now, I think I might need to go back and listen to that again. Fantastic. It's one of those great joys when you've been working with someone for, for such a long time. Ben Davis and I have been singing you know, alongside each other for well many, many years now. We, we first set... We, we first met singing uh, in the choir of St. Peter's Eaton Square on Sunday mornings. And then we were in the choir of the Brompton Oratory together for six years. Uh, and now we've been standing next to each other in the 16 for, well, yeah, I don't know, many, many years. And you do start to think as one, you know, if you're if you're that kind of singer who is you know always listening and Ben is, it's it's a real joy to, to develop that kind of rapport with someone. It's a very specific two to a part thing. So what have you been up to, Robert? I've been doing ACES. What's been on your plate? Uh, well, we just finished our music, of that's course. the, the yeah. last last episode. Um, but I'm now involved in a dance project with Shobana Jayasing Dance. Uh, really, really interesting for me. She got in touch because she'd heard a discovering music that I'd done years ago for Radio 3 about a Monteverdi piece called The Battle Between Tancred and Clorinda, which uh, is a, a telling of the Tasso story. It's a slightly confused a mix of uh, historical crusades plus a load of sort of fantastical characters in as well. And she was interested in the Monteverdi piece. It's quite famous historically because it introduces various string techniques that hadn't been used before. Monteverdi was particularly, he got a bit um, philosophical and he was interested in showing how anger had never been set in music before. And he thought that actually if you strummed a string instrument or got a larynx to attack a note 16 times in, in quick succession, uh, that would summon up anger. Here's a, here's a little bit of it to give you an idea. <laughs> But as always in the end with Monteverdi, it's not about the detail, it's about the passion that the singer brings to the text, the understanding. Um, Our singer is Ed Lyon, who's also doing Orfeo at Garsington at the moment. And he's just been in sort of six weeks of coaching with an Italian coach and his, his... attention to, to textual detail is fantastic and his understanding as well it's back to that thing that Nicholas Moore always says you had to sing syntactically or maybe he doesn't say it but maybe I just notice it about his singing because he's so good at Mediterranean languages the first rule of expressive singing is is understand know what know what the sentence structure is you can't just be sort of whiffly waffly and say oh this is generally about sadness or or happiness um, and the other sort of companion piece to this is a sort of response by a New York Syrian composer called Karim Rustom and he's using the same string quartet that Monteverdi uses uh, with a very, very different flavour. And I actually took a sort of 45 seconds of this at, uh, at rehearsal yesterday. So let's just listen to that.
some incredible energy to that. That's very striking. Has that been composed specifically for this project? Yes, and it, it sort of half quotes the Monteverdi here and there. He, he's clearly picked up on the Monteverdi anger thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it reminds me of being in Egypt touring there with, with Fagellini and turning on the telly and you'd see entire bands of strings and lute-type instruments, the oud, all playing the same line, all giving that, that single line, this incredible sort of driven energy. Uh, very exciting and amazing. Today we, I'm off shortly as you go off to your aces to, to meet the dancers for the first time, all COVID testing madly um, as it's on the rise again. Uh, and our first performance is at the Grange uh, next week. Amazing. That sounds fantastic. So that's that's my one Monteverdi project. But on Saturday, I'm off to Bath Abbey to do Monteverdi 1610 with Bach, with the Bach, with the Bath Bach Choir, the BBC. That's easy for you to say. Uh, yeah. Uh, conducted by Nigel Perrin, the erstwhile, or the, for me, the, the famous top line of the King of the King Singers back in the 1970s. So he's a bit of bit of a hero of mine. What a glorious sound he used to make, and I'm I'm sorry to reduce his entire career to one close harmony soundbite. But there's a lot of us out there who remember his voice at the top of this. So that's uh, a 16-10 Vespers with the Blessed Nigel. Uh, but Ifagellini's project Monteverdi, the other Vespers, is going to the absolutely glorious late medieval church of Holy Trinity Long Melford in Suffolk. Looks like a cathedral. Amazing. I haven't been there since the 90s with the Finzi singers. So I've chosen uh, as my first disgusting rucksack thing a Dixit Dominus from Monteverdi's 1641 collection, right from the end of his life. This is Fagellini's recording from 2017 with English cornet and sackbut ensemble as well. Great singing from everyone, but particular respect uh, to the high tenors on those alto lines, Hugo Hymus and Nicholas Mulroy again. <laughs>
Maybe we should have called this episode the violence episode. I mean, that's after the, the text of the disgusting rucksack start, but that's that's pretty graphic stuff as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's not a very nice psalm. Uh, it's a coronation psalm, and it features in any Vespers service. The the, psalm, the five psalms of the Vespers change depending on whether it's a male saint or a female saint, but you always have this Dixit Dominus. 
Um, I'm no student of this stuff, so I don't know why. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Um, I've borne thee from the womb. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. The Lord at thy right hand has broken kings in the day of his anger. He will judge the nations, fill them with ruins. He will break their heads. He shall drink of the torrent. Yeah, it's not a great psalm for 2022, but um, it does seem to have set Monteverdi off. He made four settings of it that, that he published. Um, and there's an incredible sort of surge in the music to, to moments of harmonic tension. One of the things that strikes me listening to that is the way you pace the performance. You know, it's, I mean, it is, as always, led by the text, but the, the accelerandi that you can hear as the, as the, as the tension and the, the violence of the text increases, so it's got a real sort of drive to it, hasn't it? Yeah, so it's one of the things that we talk about on the on the master's course at York, which is turning into a sort of almost a sort of music appreciation course in that what is there in the music already and what is there that you want to add to the top of it? Um, and, you know, anyone can add, you know, if you want to sing Monteverdi in gold lame hanging from the ceiling uh, because because you get off on it, that's kind of fine. But I'm much more interested in in what's already there in the music. And that may be a surprise to those people who know the sort of more unusual uh, projects that Fagellini has done but it all starts anyone who comes to rehearsal it's all about what's there naturally in the music and with Monteverdi the reason I think his music has so stood the test of time is that this visceral progression of harmony uh, a visual a visceral awareness of what harmony can do to the listener which a lot of his contemporaries you know they sort of go through the motions a little bit and he knows when to add dissonance he knows that there's a sort of search for that moment of tension in the line and that will generally take some sort of accelerando. And as soon as you got to that moment, there's there's sort of relaxation. So, yeah, I'm certainly always looking for that kind of thing. And the way he plays with then with the different textures, and we've talked about this in, in how he plays with combinations of voices uh, in the madrigals, in his collections of madrigals. But a similar thing here where after that violence, then you suddenly get a, a much more uh, sort of transparent texture with, with just the two higher voices. Yeah, he's very sparing on the on the eight voice moments. Uh, lots of pairs, lots of one voice being used as a sort of baseline to, to two higher voices, that kind of thing. There, there are, as I mentioned, there's, there's the 1610 Dixit Dormants that everyone knows. There are two other Dixit settings in, six, in the 1641 collection, Selva Morale Spirituale, the Moral and Spiritual Wood. Um, and they are, if people want to try, try them out, they're, they're significantly less problematic. From the, They're not so full, full of semiquavers, but they give you a, um, a little bit of that. Now, we've had an early start to get here this morning. You were where last night? Uh, in Reading Town Hall uh, with the 16. We were doing our programme Immortal Legacy, uh, which is like a, a smorgasbord, if you like, of, of English choral music. A, a what? <laughs> a smorgasbord. A smorgasbord. Oh, well, I don't know how you pronounce no, it. Nor have I. No. Um, so, but it's everything. It's, it's Bird and Talis um, and Britain uh, and Macmillan. So this isn't the programme you were talking about a couple of... Uh, weeks ago so you're doing two completely different programs with the 16 at the moment in the same period yes yeah um this is one which uh, it's sort of in the it's a it's a repertoire program if you like and one which we can uh wheel out quite easily and we did a performance of it in beckenham on sunday uh, and one in reading town hall last night as i said and i just one of those moments where we were singing o sacrum convivium by talis and this is a piece which you know i've been singing for many many years but haven't sung it for quite a while now and I was just struck in the concert by reminded what a just absolutely wonderful work it is. Uh, and so that's what we're going to play now. And just to encourage those, you know, anyone listening who might think, oh, well, I know, you know, Talis Sacrum Convivium, just sit down and listen to this.
and we're both sitting here in absolute ecstasy listening to that. To, to be honest, we're just sitting here listening on Eamon's phone in this person's front room in Gloucester Road. We're nowhere near a, a religious building. Uh, we're not uh, in part of a communion service, which is, of course, where that, that piece fits. Uh, a holy feast in which Christ's body is consumed. But goodness, I suppose we both sung it enough times to know what it's like to be in the middle of. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a real statement of, of belief and intent, isn't it? But um, you, you can feel Talis's, uh Catholic commitment there, although interesting that this was a piece written during Elizabeth's reign. Um, but the, one of the moments that I absolutely love in that is the way he, when they're talking about the, the renewal of the passion and then the texture just thins out and mens in plato gratia and the mind is filled with grace and you can feel the switch to this major key and and the light almost like the inspiration just flooding through and the 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 length and the trajectory of the vocal lines and you'd think at that moment that would be enough for most composers but he's got no one more one more idea because he's going to give us this taste uh, of future glory at future glory nobis pinus statur and you get these false relations the major and the minor are versioned at the same at the same time there's little clashes if you're, if you're not up on your music theory just go back and, and uh, a couple of minutes previous and you hear these dissonances and that's i think that's his way of, of showing us the future future glory dissonance of course can be incredibly sweet if it's laid out according to the harmonic series monteverdi also very very good at that um, and Talis just giving us this little touch of that. Gosh, it's ecstasy, isn't it? It's also absolutely glorious to sing because that's Talis, 1575, the, the big volume he put out with Bird, the songs which, because of their subject matter, are called sacred, one of the great publishing flops of the, of the 16th century. Um, they printed an enormous number of those books, and, and years later they'd, they'd hardly hardly made any inroads into them at all. Um, I only know that because a student of mine's just written a very good essay <laughs> on it. Um, so it's like having boxes of, of CDs of your own recordings at home, isn't it, that yes. record companies have given you and then you've not managed to, to shift. Yeah, their wives must have been very cross. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is 1575, quite late for the technique of imitative polyphony, uh, where all the voices are equally important. They all have the melody. It's just knitted together in this sort of web, he said, mixing his metaphors, which they'd been doing in continental Europe since, you know, the 1520s, 1530s. But here's the first great English statement of it. But goodness, it's absolute perfection. And then you put that alongside uh, another piece that or set that we did in the concert last night, which are the, um, the nine settings from Archbishop Parker's Psalter, which are so spare and homophonic, but he still manages to to embody uh, a real sort of um, spiritual core to it. He was a great uh, chameleon, wasn't he, to be able to switch all these different styles and across these four monarchs that he served. Four monarchs, four very different, well, who's to say, especially with Henry VIII, it's not just one religious view, is it? It's sort of changed over time. Um, yeah, he, he, managed, uh, he managed people rather well, I think. Yes, Andrew Stewart had a rather nice uh, phrase that he said that um, uh, Talis managed to uh, trim his professional sails uh, to fit the prevailing religious mood. Uh, I liked that. So dig a little deeper into your rucksack, Robert, and let's find out what's at the bottom of it. Yeah, banana from oh. 2016. Oh, that's the pits, isn't it, when you put your hand in. So. Uh, but we've all done it. Um, this is Eric Whittaker. Um, it's hard to remember just how new and fascinating the music of Eric Whittaker was when it first came out. I did a review for Radio 3 at, uh, at the time of New Call releases the week that came out, and there was a polyphony, it was the Polyphony disc. Do you remember it? I do. Uh, what was it called? Cloudburst. Cloudburst, that's right. Uh, and this was the first piece, the first track on the CD, and I remember it made me smile. And there's not much music, there's music that makes you, makes you feel all sorts of emotions, but actually making you smile in classical choral music. Um, and there's something, um, I don't know, we could probably come up with a clever uh, English uh, term for it, but the sheer good humour of it, the, the unashamed pleasure in, in the words. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... It took me back to the, the point about Bird and Monteverdi composers who embody the whole meaning of the poem as opposed to just being inspired by individual words. So I'm going to read it out. It's E. Cummings... It's quite tricky in some ways. 
Uh, but in other words, I mean, it's, a, it's got a proper rhyming scheme, but you wouldn't know it because of the enjambment, one line flowing into another. But, but here it is, E.E. E. Cummings. I thank you, God, for most this amazing day, for the leaping greenly spirits of trees and a blue true dream of sky, and for everything which is natural, which is infinite, which is yes. I who have died am alive again today, and this is the sun's birthday. This is the birthday of life and of love and wings, and of the gay great happening illimitably earth. How should tasting, touching, hearing, seeing, breathing, any, lifted from the know of all nothing, human merely being, doubt unimaginable you? Now the ears of my ears awake, and now the eyes of my eyes are opened.
Well, a lovely bit of postmodernism there. That's Eric Whittaker's I Thank You God for Most This Amazing Day, setting E. Cummings. And that's Polyphony. That was that recording, Cloudburst, that came out. When did we When did we discover it came out? 2003, I think it was, wasn't it? 2003. Do you know, I remember you telling me about it uh, and uh, saying how extraordinary the you know the tuning of the cluster chords is, which you can really hear towards the end of that there. It's a real skill, isn't it, to be able to to marshal those. Yeah, that Stephen Layton, who was he was he at Trinity Cambridge then? I think not, possibly not at not. that point. No, I think that's before then. Done great things there since, um, but respect to him, he always seems to be ahead of the curve. He or maybe he makes the curve. He he brings these out these recordings of composers that the rest of us hadn't quite got to yet. And same with Essenwaltz. He's done Morton Lauridsen. Yeah, uh, lots of interesting projects. Uh, and we've got to tell you, if you want to want to listen to that, you've got to buy the CD or, or download it because um, it's not on the, the streaming uh, platforms. That's right. It's on it's Hyperion. On Hi- Hyperion, and they don't. So respect to them. It's, have you conducted much Whitaker? That's sort of music? If yeah, we not, I mean, not a huge amount. Uh, I mean, I've done sleep. A great piece that I did do was Leonardo uh, Dreams of His Fly Machine. Flying machine. That's a brilliant work. Uh, great fun. And, and really quite different, in, you know, in some ways. Hmm. Um, I was due to do his The Sacred Veil, uh, and it was pulled uh, two days before I was due to fly out there uh, because of COVID back in, in 2020. Uh, which Voce's eight have now done with with him conducting. I I definitely think there's something there, and you know it's a matter of taste, like anything anything of music. But I think one of the things about it is it sounds quite easy the music, and it absolutely isn't. I think um, uh, you know tuning those clusters is really quite a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music looks it looks quite dense on the page, but actually finding the notes isn't necessarily difficult. But you need to be able to feel your your tone against the person next to you. I think you're right. As you say, it, it sounds easy, but even something like sleep, there's tuning that, there are dissonances within it, some sort of slightly tricky intervals. So I think you know, sometimes choirs think, oh yes, we can do that. And then find actually it's not, not quite as straightforward as one might have thought. But mostly though, I just wish I had his hair. Yeah, well, I saw an extraordinary picture that he put on Twitter a, a while back of, of him in the 80s, I think it was. It was, <laughs> it was Miami Vice on steroids is absolutely extraordinary but i love the fact that he's uh, got the you know he's self-deprecating enough to to put that out in the in the in the public arena he you know he openly says that he he got into music for the girls he he got into band music first but um uh, you know writing for military band wind bands in the us is a big thing he always said he wanted to be the was it the fifth member of depeche mode that was uh, that was one of his aspirations that's pretty much it for <laughs> That's pretty much it for this week. I'm slightly floored by that because I'm wondering whether to go to Google and look up Depeche Mode. I am aware of the existence of Depeche Mode. Oh, of course, yes. They wouldn't really be in your uh, on your radar, would they? Uh, that's it. That was a nice dipping dipping in sort of episode. Um, that's the ninth episode we've done, uh, managed to do, get, getting back together, getting the band back together. Perhaps we'll manage to, to pop on a tenth. Uh, before before we break for the summer, if that's if that's what people do. Uh, thanks for staying with us. I um, uh, hope you've enjoyed those bits and pieces. We must go to our rehearsals. I'm sure you must too. See you next time. Cheerio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Just before you go, another reminder to try listening on Patreon, which costs just a few pounds per month. Or, if you prefer, you can very simply make a one-off donation. You can actually do either via coralchihuahua.com. Thanks. <laughs>